All right, cool, awesome. But I'm, <laughs> that's right. Not that that is going to help with the nervousness at all. But uh, anyways, so we will move forward for sure. <laughs> like I was saying, I love working with student ministry. Absolutely do. I love most importantly, helping them understand that the Bible is timeless, that God's word is relevant just as much back then as it is today. And that means a lot to me. And I am so blessed that I get to honor to share that with our students, because technically, if we're looking at the, the, the church today, these are our students and we're raising up the next generation but we're raising up the church because the students are just as important to the church today as they will when they go out into the world um, after, their, after their schooling. So it is an honor and a pleasure just to bring this message to you. And, um, you know, last week we learned, we learned Paul, he talked about, uh, he went into James and he talked about the trials and the tests that we're to recognize are good things. And some students in the room may be looking at it saying, wait a minute, I don't like having exams. I don't like having tests. That's not a good thing. But it is a good thing. It's a good thing because it looks at because what it does is it develops our character, it develops on what we learn. And you see, if I can just break that down even further, last week what Paul was talking about and describing in James is like if you were ever to go to a party, right? He's saying, man, we're getting ready to, he's, James is hyping us up for this party. He is hyping us up, telling us, man, you know, this is going to be a party. It's going to test our popularity. We're going to go into this thing and we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. And this is what's going to happen. You know, we're going to have some good music. Everything's going to happen. The ladies are going to be there. Uh, You know, it's going to be cool. It's going to be good. That's what James is talking about last week. That's what Paul was describing. And then now we're going to talk about living out that message, living out that vibe that you may be having. So it was such an honor and a blessing to have Michael, to have Keith, and to have Paul kind of guide me in text through this passage as we talked about talking to God, encountering, encountering the truths of God and humanity, and then also examining an application and then telling others and talking to God about that too. So um, it was such an honor to have them. And, you know, and, and back in my day when I used to go to parties, I used to go parties with a crew of people. We called ourselves B-boys. And yes, I know you're looking at me saying, what kind of B-boy were you? I was the big B-boy, the big dude that was out there, right? Cutting up, cutting a rug. And, and when we look at it, when I look at it like that, it's like, you know, I think Paul, Keith, and Michael, we're gonna, they, were, they were helping me do some theological breakdancing, if you may say. So they were my crew in this case. And uh, we're going to talk about living out those moves as well. I know some of you are probably picturing them breakdancing right now in your head, and that's okay. That's all right. Um, but we're going to talk about that today. So um, let's start off by uh, talking to God and um, doing that right now. So let's pray. <clears throat> God, we understand. We understand. We understand and we know who you are. And there may be some people in this room that are still kind of grasp, grasping that right now. But we as your children, we know who you are, God. And I'm asking right now that every word that come out of my mouth and every word that be, that be heard today be yours. That I have nothing to do with the message and that our understanding and our, and our dialect and where we come from too, that that all be generated and all be engulfed and all avenue our way to our hearts and our minds, God. That you prepare our hearts and our minds for what we are about to hear so that way we can do nothing but worship you, nothing but carry on your word and nothing but live out your message, God. And I'm asking all this be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So if you can follow along with me here, we're gonna be in James. We're gonna be chapter one. We're gonna look at 19 through 27, okay? And it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, 
Let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. So put away all filth and evil excess and humbly welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save your souls. But be sure you live out the message and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourselves. For if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in a mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. But the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty and fixes his attention there and does not become a forgetful listener, but one who lives it out, he will be blessed in what he does. If someone thinks he is religious yet does not bridle his tongue and so deceives his heart, his religion is futile. Pure and undefiled religion before God, the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their adversity and keep oneself unstained by the world. There's some amazing truths in James. There's some amazing application in there. So let's break that down and let's look at it here. So as you know that we, we, you know, we've, we've done this together and we texted this message together and we've, did, we've done that also in the nine o'clock hour too. Um, and first we start talking about talking to God. We, we look at talking to God as a prayer and opening up his, his message. And then also we talk about encountering the truths. That, and what we do when we talk about encountering is we're talking about the truths that are found in both God and humanity. And so we're going to break it down verse by verse. We're going to go through this, and I think we can do that. Now that, now that I say break it down, I'm always thinking about dancing now, so you have to excuse me here. So, um, <laughs> so let's go into verse 19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And in looking at this verse, there's some truths here. And first truth that we see about God is that God gives his word for our understanding. God gives his word for our understanding. And you know, the coolest thing about that is that God gives his word as we were, we were hoped to understand it, but also, human, also as we are humans, we're capable of understanding. You know, he wants us, not only that, but he also wants us to get along with our dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And he has goals to let every person, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. And then with the next, with the next truth that we see in there is that we're generally slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger. Some of my parents in the room were exactly like that, right? We're quick to listen, we're quick to, or we're, I'm sorry, we're uh, slow to listen, we're quick to speak, and we're quick to anger. And then going in, and that brings us into the next verse there, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Man, biggest truth right there that we could see is that God is righteous. Another truth that we see in there is that God's anger does not equate to human anger. No, we're very different from God. We are not God. And then the truth about humanity that we see is human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Another thing that you could even say in there is that it doesn't, human anger doesn't accomplish God's purpose. Human anger doesn't accomplish God's justice. Our anger, the anger for ourselves, the anger that we have inside is not justified is not justified by God's anger. Because sometimes the anger that we have inside is about us. It's that fleshly anger. But you know what's, 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 what's really, what, what, what's really kind of crazy about it is that sometimes what we do, especially me, I'm talking to myself, I'm pointing the finger at myself, is that my anger, my, my, my human anger, my fleshly anger, sometimes I justify that with biblical events, such as 
Jesus flipping over the tables. Sometimes we justify that anger and say, well, look, God did it. Well, Jesus did it. Once again, we are not God. And that's a healthy understanding. It's okay. And that we understand that God is in control and God is righteous. And then going into verse 21, it says, so put away all filth and evil excess and humbly welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save our souls. As humans, as humanity, you know, we are comfortable with filth and we're also comfortable with evil. And why? Because we're told to put it away. And the, the, the comfort of all that filth and all that evil that we're in, a lot of that is pride. And that's the source of that filth and evil. And then when we put it away, when we realize that we're to put all that filth and evil away, you know, as that fleshly anger comes up, as, when we're told we're being humble when we do that. And that's when we recognize that, you know, just like we said, we're not God, that God saves humanity. We cannot save ourselves. And most importantly, I think a truth that we find in this passage is that the truth, God's message, is implanted in God's children. If there's any kind of accountability or responsibility that God can give us at this point in time, it's that. It's that his message, his truth is implanted in his children. And ultimately, it's his gospel. It's not mine. It's not our gospel. It's his gospel. And we welcome this truth. And we have to welcome this truth. And we welcome it by putting away filth and evil excess. Because once again, it's not our truth. It's not what we make of it. It's what God makes of it. And his truth is here in his word. We don't have to go around looking for it in any other way. We don't have to think of, of other ways that we can, can approach God's message. It's his message. It's his truth. And in verse 22, but be sure to live out the message and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourselves. And I think the, a cool truth in this that we see is that humanity is prone to hear and not do. You see, he gives us the privilege to carry out this message. And we talked about it, he, you know, his, and then we also understand that you know, God is able to save our souls before in the verse prior to that. But we're prone a lot of times to hear and to listen, but we're not prone to do. And this is the privilege that we get as his children to carry out his message. It's a privilege to walk and tell others about him. It's a privilege to talk to your coworker and tell them about Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to live, it's a privilege to live out that message, not just talk, but also walk the walk. And then we also understand that there's intentionality with God's message. We got to live it out. We can't just hear or merely listen to what God wants us to do and sit stagnant. He wants us to live it out. 
But as humans, a truth there in humanity is that we deceive ourselves when we focus on one thing. And you see, we are the deceivers, not God. We deceive ourselves. We, by just merely listening and taking in that and doing one thing, we can truly deceive ourselves and not applying God's word to our life. Sometimes we can do that by simply putting humanistic truths to God's message and then making it our truth. And then having people regurgitate our truth and not God's truth. I think that happens for a lot of us sometimes. It happens for a lot of us, you know, it happens a lot of us because sometimes we have this, we have this celebrityism that comes in when people follow us and they're not following God. When people follow who we are and what we believe and they don't follow God's truth. And James talks about that a little more and going into verse 23. And he says, for if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in the mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. Which brings me to the next truth here that we find in Scripture, and that's, it's that God is not. God does not forget. God does not forget. He knows you. He knows, your, he knows every hair on your head. He knows you inside and out. But humanity, we're forgetful. Humanity is forgetful. We'll hear one thing, we'll go out after this, and then do totally opposite of what it says. There will be no accountability with what we do sometimes because we gaze at ourselves in the mirror and we don't reflect what's inside. And another truth about humanity is that we as humans can't really know ourselves truly without God. Humanity lacks self-awareness. We lack mindfulness. We often gaze at ourselves or maybe even someone else instead of really reflecting who he is. And we only see what's on the surface as if that's enough. We only see what's right here as opposed to looking at the message that's implanted within us that James was talking about. And let's just be honest here. We do that often. We'll see, we'll hear the message. We'll go out. We won't care to understand who's taking care of us at a restaurant. We won't care to understand that the speed limit is really 45 down Lebanon Road. Sometimes I think it's 55. It's okay. Um, we will do certain things that don't keep us accountable for them because why? We're simply gazing at ourselves and not looking at the message that God has implanted within us. The message of truth, the message of his gospel that is inherent there is no, that is, that is inerrant. It is no, there's no errors in it. And then in verse 25, but the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty and fixes his attention there and does not become a forgetful listener, but one who lives it out, he will be blessed in what he does. God blesses humans who live out their faith. Now that truth I'm going to just sit tight on it for a little bit 
because I want us to understand that when we look at that, I'm not talking about a prosperous blessing of materialism. I'm not talking about a prosperous blessing of, 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 of all of this stuff, all of this kingdom village that you want to create. I'm not talking about like, hey, look, if you do this, if you live according to God, if you live out his message, that you, that you yourself will have all of this money and all of these things. Because the blessing for our application may not be tangible. It may be based more on growth. You see, when God blesses us, he blesses us just the same way that Paul was talking about last week when in James, when he talks about the trials or the testings are good. These testings are good. When he blesses us according to living out scripture, it may not be a big house on a hill. It'll be simply the message that you need to hear to better your life for Christ, not for the world, but for Christ. And if I can just be honest, sometimes, sometimes we do live out, we do live out this message and then we may not see the blessings of the world, but we'll see the blessings of him. We'll see people coming to Christ. We'll see people's lives changed. And you know what? The seed that you planted as a parent, as a volunteer, as a contributor, may never even be recognized. And that's okay. Because God blesses humans who live out their faith. And that's the blessing in knowing and understanding that people are coming to Christ and that you are being faithful to the gospel is much more than anything money can buy. And you know, as a student pastor, it means well for me to say that because in doing it, in doing it off and on and volunteer-wise and in doing it bivocationally and in, in everything else for about 12 years, I've seen that. I've seen students that I haven't talked to in 10 years that have come back and told me some truths that I was like, man, I thought you was asleep the whole time. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I thought you never really even liked me. That's crazy. So it's such an amazing thing to see, to know that that and that in itself is a blessing. And then the next, the next truth that we see with humanity is that humanity needs action to imprint God, God's message. See, God's message is the perfect law of liberty. Humanity is more likely to fix our eyes on our own image than God and his, and his perfect image of, of liberty and grace. God's message is the perfect law of liberty. And when we look at how God, how humanity needs action to imprint God's message, it's exactly what it is. We need to live out our, 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 the truth of the gospel in order to imprint. Because some of those things that are said now may not come to surface with some of our, our younger generation or may not even come to surface with some of our older generation. And that's why I even say this for our students that are there. It's just as important for you to live out your message now so that way even older generations can see that faithfulness and then also, also be, be hungry for his message just as much. And then going into 26, if someone thinks 
that he is religious yet does not bridle his tongue and so deceives his heart. His religion is futile. Truth about God that we see here is that God is the forefront of his religion. Once again, humanity is not God. Religion with man at the forefront, that's futile. And then also another truth that we see with humanity or a truth that we see with humanity here is that when we don't control our tongue, we deceive our heart. If there's anything that we can take out of this truth, it's the fact that our words matter. Our words matter to God and the message he desires and in the message he desires to give us out. And humanity is not God because and humanity is not God because ultimately we're sinners. Remember, because we're comfortable with filth and evil excess. You see, God is not. Our words matter to our destiny. Now, whether that destiny um, be our destiny of grace through, through the message of the gospel or maybe even the destiny of futility, our words matter to our destiny. What we say matters. Because what we say can be a total reflection of how we live it out as well. That's why even in this instance right here where I'm sitting up here, man, I understand that I'm held accountable. And that scares me sometimes. Which is why it's important for each and every one of us to be in his word. And when we see in 27 that pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their adversity and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And this truth here that I took from this portion of it is that the purity of religion is not found in the actions of the world. The purity of religion is not found in the actions of the world. No. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about God. The world can leave scars that keep us from doing what God wants us to do sometimes. And then when we look at this passage here, we can even see that, that you know, that when he talks about the care to care for the orphans and the widows in their adversity. And, and, and we can say that, you know, God wants us to move away, open up a home for widows and orphans. But there are some things that we need to consider when we're doing that. If that's what God wants you to do, that is great. That is awesome. That is amazing. But think about the fact that God wants you to care for orphans in the midst of adversity. So it doesn't mean that we need to have this perfect plan. Like sometimes when we think about it, we think of this perfect plan of, oh, wait, I'm not going to care for orphans or widows until, you know, I move out into where I'm supposed to do that until I have to build my home. God wants us to do it now, which is why he wants us to live it out. It's not about how we can get our ducks in a row before that happens. It's about how we are, how he understands that we are equipped and we are giving, you know, and we're, we're living our calling for what it is, for what God says it is. And how are we doing that now in order for us to do that later as well? You see, the world needs our help, but we have to make sure that the world in the fleshly ideals and the fleshly things of this world, we have to make sure that that doesn't engulf us and that we're not raising up 
Jesus, or we're not raising up ourselves. I'm sorry, sorry, go back, go back around. So we're not raising up ourselves over Jesus because it's important for us to understand that it's God first. And then in going to the examine portion, when we look at some applications in what, in, in what, what God says to do, there's some questions here that I have for us. And our first question here is how are some, some, some kind of accountability questions is how am I living out the message God implanted in me? Am I welcoming this message? Am I quick to listen? Am I slow to speak? Am I slow to anger? When God comes at me, am I saying, come at me? Or am I saying, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me, I got a few things that I want to tell you first before we can do this. Because sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes we want to situate ourselves before we're really truly, and we understand that God says that we're ready to do this. And God has, God has done so in his word, and he tells us that we're ready to do this, and we want to pursue him more and more. But then when the, when the opportunity comes, what do we do? We say, wait, 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 that's not really the opportunity I was talking about how to do it. So I'm going to wait for that to happen later on. So when we welcome his message, are we quick to listen? Are we slow to speak on it? And are we slow to be angry about it too? Are, are we even angry about what God wants us to do? And the second application that we see here that I just want to kind of just present to you is what filth or evil is God asking you to put away? What filth or evil is God asking you to put away? Not just what you would normally consider in those categories, but also what pride is present in your religious life that you need to put away? Do we have a messy room of stuff that we're holding on to? Do we have some things that we're holding on to that God wants us to put away, whether it be unforgiveness, mistrust, anything like that, that God wants us to put away, or even it may be meaning making or making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Not the Lord of some of your life, not the Lord of sprinkling the Lord over in your life, like a little salt bay sprinkling, you know what I'm talking about for some of y'all? We don't know who salt bay is. He's this guy that just sprinkles like salt on meat after he prepares it. And he does it in a weird way. So are we wanting to do that? Are we, wanting to, are we wanting to just sprinkle Jesus in, in parts of our lives? And making sure that he don't, we don't want him to touch the filth and evil excess that we have? Or do we just need to put it away? Better yet, give it to him. He don't want it. He ain't going to take it. He's going to destroy it. So how are we going to do that? Or what is present in our lives that we need that allows us to put that away? And then, how do I care for others in the midst of their adversity? You see, in the midst of celebrity, we are fueled to do anything. But in the midst of adversity, 
We sometimes limit ourselves. That's where the, once again, that's where the compromising comes into play. If we know we're going to get a pat on the back, if we know we're going to get lifted high, sometimes what we do is that we, we tend to say, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go ahead and do it. We are going to volunteer if we know we're going to be raised on high. But in the midst of an adversity, sometimes we can say, oh, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this because this is just too awkward. That's the importance of living out our message and what God wants us to do. And then just to just wrap this and bundle this all up, you know, I talked about how James, how Paul talked about James and he's hyping us up for a party and he's hyping us up for a dance. And I think what's important for us to really understand is that let's put it in, the, in, the, in just the illustration or even in the aspect of a dance, right? My wife and I, we love to dance. I tell you, man, I love to, I love to just break it down as I was talking about, but now that I'm older, I feel like I break something more than I break it down, right? And you see, when we don't live out our message, when we aren't slow to anger, slow to speak, or even quick to listen, what that is all like is that is like going to a wedding or going to a dance, having the DJ blasting some awesome music, and nobody is dancing. It's like if we were to hear the Cupid shuffle. Everybody knows what the Cupid shuffle is, right? If we were to hear the Cupid shuffle and no one was on the dance floor dancing that line dance, and for some of y'all who don't know what the Cupid shuffle is, think of the hokey pokey or the chicken dance when you hear the dance. So it's like a new, new age hip hop-ish type song in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, where people just get on the floor and they dance. And you see, God wants us to live out that message just as much as we're celebrating Cupid, you know, Cupid singing the Cupid shuffle. We need to be doing that with the gospel and having joy, having joy in our trials and having intentionality in our, in his word. So that way we can walk every step in knowing that the church is doing its job. Just as much as we're quick to run to the dance floor when we hear our perfect song, we hear that perfect song, we need to be doing the same thing with God's perfect message. And I challenge you all to say, let's dance. Now, I'm not going to dance right now, but I'm challenging you all to say, let's dance. Let's move with Christ. Let's live out his message. And let's do so in a way that is going to bring honor and glory only to him and not to ourselves. Let's talk to God one more time. God, as we're challenged to, to live out your message, may we not be forgetful. May we have your imprint in our heart and in our mind, so that way the things that we say and do are representative of who you are. May we be quick to listen to your message that we hear in your gospel. May we be slow to speak, to talk back to you. May we be slow to be angry of what you want us to do. And may we understand 
that your anger, that your righteousness is not like ours. May you bring the understanding that we are to live out our message the way you want us to. And that the blessing that comes from it and that everything that comes from it is a blessing as we are living and according to your spirit, according to your heart, so that others can see it and want to know who we are, God. And if there's anyone in here that's still trying to figure out how to live out this message and they need to know more about that, may they be quick to come to know you and may they be quick to listen to you so that way they can come to know who you are, God. And I'm asking all this be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.